This is David Grossman. This is the Motion Martial Arts Podcast. Today, Dan is back from the UK, and we talk with our friend Rennie Galante about different things involving strategies for teaching kids martial arts. Okay, so teaching kids is the subject for today. Yeah, uh, so Dan is obviously back from the UK, <laughs> or we want to be together. This is David, and we have uh, our friend Rennie Galante here again with us. Hey, guys. Um, yeah, and I, I think this is an interesting subject, and um, I also think, you know, what's, what's going to be particularly interesting about this conversation is that I teach at a jiu-jitsu school, which the primary student base is kids, which is pretty unusual in the jiu-jitsu world. I think, Renny, you can probably attest to that, too. Yes. It's pretty unusual in the jiu-jitsu world. And, I mean, this is, I don't think Dan's going to be insulted when I say this. At this point, karate is being mostly also practiced by children. Oh, sure. I would say martial arts in general, mostly practiced by kids nowadays. Karate community, absolutely. I mean, it's pretty dramatic, the majority kids teenagers that are that are practicing far fewer adults yeah so um i think the difference though is in jiu-jitsu right now i think it's mostly an adult martial art across the board and that's kind of what makes where i teach at and train out of a little bit unique um but i think in the jiu-jitsu world the biggest problem is and again this is specific to jiu-jitsu i think that there is a lot of teaching the kids classes the way you teach the adult classes and then the people the kids that probably need jujitsu the most probably aren't getting it and, and that's probably the main thing that i think is a problem and sure i'm sure i've already hurt somebody's feeling and, and offended somebody saying that uh there's a lot of kind of teaching for the kids that are already athletic and tough you kind of need to teach to the kids that aren't that way because those kids they can train anywhere um they're the ones who stand to benefit exactly most the kids that you know are not athletically gifted or not physically active you know they need something for me personally when i i was nine years old when i started training and i did not like sports you know karate was really the first physical activity i ever engaged in seriously so yeah i think so I know how we do it here again, where I teach at. It's we divide we divide the kids into three different groups. So we have like the little kids, we have the older kids, and then we have an invite only kids class, which is for the kids that need tough sparring. They need like to be taught jujitsu like adults. Yeah. But it's it's very deliberately split that way. So then the people that benefit the most from martial arts and need this for their confidence, they need it for their coordination. They're the ones getting it. They need it for self-defense. They're the ones getting it. And I think that, again, in the jiu-jitsu world, there's a lot of... Most places teach it like the way we teach our advanced kids classes, I feel like. And if I'm already not athletic, I'm getting picked on at school, I come to this place that's supposed to teaching me be teaching me self-defense, I'm getting beat up all the time, which is what it is. Too. <laughs> the training can be rough. Yeah, and you're just you're just gonna go. Why am I coming to this place and continuing to be felt? Yeah. The feelings of inadequacies that I'm. Well, that's why know. a good teacher really needs to be able to control the tone and pace of the classes, you know. And that's um, you know, the way that 
I do it is that you always, I'm sure similar across the board is you always want to concentrate on slow, gradual pressure being put on that. You know, if I get a brand new kid right out of the gate coming into class, you know, like what kind of sparring do I do with them? I, I don't even think you should really call it sparring because it's more there's learning the basics. They learn mm-hmm. just to move around with a partner, kind of follow a partner's movement. They learn some real basics like blocking a kick, turning the hip, and, and counter punching. And that's pretty much it. It's not really sparring in the sense that anything um, unexpected is happening. I tell them this is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to practice, you know, and usually after they've been, been training with me for a few weeks, you know, they've learned a couple of basic techniques and I say, okay, we're going to take those techniques and now we're just going to apply some movement to it. You know, you know exactly what your partner is going to do coming at you. And you and I've taught you know I've shown you exactly what you're gonna do to defend against it, and then they just practice it with so so there's there's an element of uncertainty in terms of like when the technique is coming, but they know exactly what's coming after what what they're gonna be attacked with. Yeah, kind of. So you guys have levels of like when somebody comes into the school, do you evaluate like how like athletically the child is? We definitely don't. You, okay. Here, I mean. I say here because we're actually literally sitting in, at the place that I teach at <laughs> right now, just so you listeners know. Um, no, because we're going to start everybody in the age-appropriate kids' class, okay. and unless they're coming in already as a high-ranked belt. And then it's like, still do the appropriate age kids' class, but you have an understanding of what jiu-jitsu is. You've already trained that other way, so why would we hold you back? You're, you're, yeah, come do the advanced kids' class. You know, um, I think again th- that's to me is is I think works really well. And then the other thing is is you get the kid that's super athletic. You look at him two classes in, you're like, okay, so we're probably gonna, you know, let this kid get promoted faster than some of these other kids that need to be held back a little bit. And then once they're promoted, we're gonna be like right away. Once you you know they've got four stripes or they're on to their their white gray belt, we're gonna be like, okay, yeah, you got to join the next level you're like you're ready you know so what what's some of your guys in both styles um david your jujitsu dan your tanks who do right yeah um what's your incentives for the kids you notice that they want the stripes or they want the belts oh absolutely it, you know like what kind of praise and do you kind of give them during the, you know i i think that it's funny you know, the big difference between kids and adults. Not that this doesn't happen with adults too, but yeah, you know, kids they always they're enamored by that belt, right? They really, really want their new stripe. They really want their new band. In some ways, it can be a good or a bad thing. It's all about the way you utilize it as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Is that you know it's why you have a ranking system in the first place, so that you know, I, so that you have some for kids and adults both. You have some. Um, idea of where you are in the progress of your training right that's why you have this this rank system that leads up to black belt and beyond but um further dedicated work sure yeah i think the trick is you really have to stress and i stress this a lot with my students that it's the belt by itself is absolutely meaningless it's like all the belt and the rank the stripe on your belt color of your belt just represents your ability and the ability is the important thing. You know, I'll tell them, if I put on a white belt right now, it's like I no longer teach this class. There's something magic about these colored belts that you know, bestow some kind of ability on you. Of course not. It's like the, the, the fruits of your training are, the fruits of your training will always be your abilities. 
like that, not the belt itself. Yeah, I feel like maybe I messed up this conversation already because I kind of like threw us, us right into the deep end at the beginning, <laughs> which is fine. You know, that, that's okay sometimes. Uh, yeah, I think I think that. So we, I think here that that motivates most of the people. Most of them, they're like, I'm gonna get promoted. You know, and that, that's fine. I don't think that's a big deal. I think that motivates lots of adults too. Yeah, I don't think that's a big deal. Whatever it needs to get that person in the door whatever who cares you know people have different reasons and it's okay if it's just the promotion as long as they're getting here and they're improving and you see they're learning that's all that matters because the people at the end of the day if that's what's motivating them it's whatever if they're not actually getting good and they're not enjoying themselves they're going to disappear anyway right sure so so it's kind of like whatever who cares you know uh like whatever it takes to get that person in the door and then what's going to start to happen over time they're going to see all the benefits of martial arts and then they're gonna at some point even they're just gonna stop worrying about it they're just gonna be like oh so i'm going to this place i'm having a good time i feel like i'm in good shape doing something fun i have Mm -hmm. these friends and then it starts to be thought of less and less and less and less less. yeah well all right unfortunately (laughs) i've experienced the opposite that people really obsessing over rank you know after they've been training for decades and that's the negative part the thing about it you know especially if you look at a beginner you know, it's it, the rank gives you something very concrete to like fix your sight on. Well, that that's what you're going for. This, but I feel like, yeah, I feel like we're we're kind of going to start going in a different direction <laughs> yeah, with different, this topic yeah. because I I do agree with what you're saying, but now I think we're kind of going to start to open Pandora's box of like people critiquing doing, the ranking system. Yeah, critiquing general, the yeah. ranking system, but also people that like believe that they are in a position of power oh absolutely because yeah. of their ranking and it goes beyond what happens in and out of the school like yeah. and 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 that's a huge problem you know like there's like kind of i know in jiu-jitsu it happens a lot martial uh, arts cults black yeah black belt entitlement sort yeah. of stuff where it's like just crazy stuff i mean you hear all sorts of stories people being like i'm entitled to like going out on dates with your wife because I'm a black belt. <laughs> you know? Just, just like bonkers so, stuff. So yeah, but back to what I asked, it was just like, it was more towards, hopefully I didn't steer it the wrong way, no. but it was more towards like, hey, that was, what was the incentive for the kids to kind of move up? So back, back to the kids. Yeah. Do you think there's any, you know, intrinsic thing that drives them? I'm assuming some kids don't even care. Like very, very few, but I see them every once I mean, it, it's... I think it's like the adults. There's multiple reasons why anybody's training. Sometimes a kid starts because they were getting picked on in school, and then they start to see the changes that the martial arts training is doing, and they're like, okay, I'm hooked. Sometimes I think it's just mom and dad is making them come. And, again, at some point, if they don't start to like it, they're going to leave anyway, right? Uh, And I I think the parents' commitment is huge. So, like, I mean, you know this. uh, I had had to start bringing my daughter to classes because I didn't have any choice. I mean, I could have paid for a babysitter, but it's kind of, what sense does that make? Mm-hmm. So she started younger than we usually take kids. And because I'm committed, she had to be committed. And there were days that were absolutely awful. Days where she would run off the mat, throwing a temper tantrum, and I'd just mm-hmm. be like, let her go do it. Whatever. She still has to come back tomorrow and do class. She still has to come back next week and do mm-hmm. class. And then the transformation in less than a year now if people saw this kid who's now been doing group classes for a year, and she was doing, like, one-on-one lessons with me before that, but uh, they wouldn't even think it's the same kid. Mm. And, you know, and it, it, some of it, again, comes back to 
the parents' commitment is huge because if the parents aren't committed to it, the kids aren't going to be committed to it. You know, and it, it starts to change. I, I, I think it starts to change around like 12, 13 personally. Yeah. Because 12 or 13, you really have a lot more ability to be like, I don't like this hobby. Like, I don't like playing baseball. I agree. Sure. Yeah. You're not going to send me to baseball. I'm not going to play baseball. Like, it's the same thing. But that younger age, is it's really the parents' commitment. And you kind of have to sell the parents on all the benefits to a certain extent or you're going to mm-hmm. lose the kids. So I already know the benefits. So it's like, it's a completely different kid. Like, it would be like, she'd throw tantrums where she'd be like, I'm hungry. She'd throw tantrums if she lost a game. Mm-hmm. And, like, one of the things that I kept on trying to talk to her and, and still say all the time, I'd be like, uh, like, do you like being here? Are you having a good time? Like, I say to her all the time, like, what's the most important parts of sparring? She's like, making sure I smile the whole time and make sure that I respect my partner. I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's all I care about. You know, and it's like, now it's like, she looks forward to doing group class. It's not that she did it before, but she just... She's getting... Yeah, yeah, some, something would happen, something would set her off, you know, but I was committed. But other parents, they're like, my kids said they didn't want to go one time, mm-hmm. and then they bail. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's huge. You have to sell the parents on it. If, yeah. if you can't sell the parents on it... it then over time, they might grow into it, and then sure. I get... They both got to be so... Past that, though, let me hit you with this one. So kids that you were saying the tantrums and being disruptive, how do you guys manage? Like, because there's some kids that are better than others, and there's reason why some of these parents are putting them in here because they're trying to get their sort of discipline. What do you do to, like, curtail some of the outbursts? And to make it fun, obviously, but what do you do to, like, hey, to, to get them to correct some of their behaviors during class? Oh, discipline-wise? Like, yeah. Well, I stress that... You know, it's again a, a way that the ranking system can be used well is that said no, this, but as specific as kids like talking out or something like that. Oh, you know? okay. There's a couple of simple punishments that I'll do for them. You know, one we call putting them on their knuckles, which is they just hold knuckle push up position with their fists for a couple mm-hmm. minutes, and that's really the only you know like concrete punishment that I'll give them. A lot of times, the kid is really just being a pain, and they're um. Do you ask them, the parents, the, to come get them or anything like no, that? No, I don't ask that? the parents to come get them, but I'll tell them, you know, straight up, like, listen, there are other people in this class that are focused and ready to work right now. And if you're just going to waste my time, you know, then, then I should be giving my attention to the other students that came here to learn. And I'll just have them sit down. Okay. And I find usually when you do that for a kid that like it won't take long for them to want to come back up and so participate kind of in class a again. Sort of deal. Yeah, kind of like that. Know, but it's just asking. more, and you know, it's not based on. You know, some kids have attention issues and some don't, and you know, I always identify that with the kids as early on as I can. Yeah. I try to do what I can to stress <laughs> to stress you know the importance that I think that's one of the most that I think leads to some really fruitful parts of this discussion mm-hmm. is that it's like what what do kids really have to gain from martial arts practice do i want my students to be able to deal with a bully absolutely is that what i spend most of my most of like of my of the class practicing with them absolutely not mm-hmm. what i'm practicing with them at the end of the day is i'm oh, teaching yeah. them to be i'm trying to make them stronger I'm trying to make them physically stronger and mentally stronger mm-hmm. they have the ability to overcome um, discomfort. They have the ability to focus, how to you know push forward and reach their goals. How to kind of un- overcome an uncomfortable situation as well as in like you know some kids don't like to spar. They don't like to get up there and fight. I always try to be very gradual with the way that I ease into it, but ultimately it's something you're gonna have to learn how to do, whether you're comfortable doing it or not. So three of your things were 
sort of sit in the side, time out sort of deal. I'm sure. paraphrasing. The other one is your knuckle thing. Yeah. Uh, more of a, you know, punishment. Um, and yeah. The other one is a ranking. Hey, if you're working towards this, they see the carrot. Like, oh, you're yeah. gonna get your thing. What about? Well, jujitsu is much more laid back, and and that's something to keep in mind, right? Could so, be good, could be bad. Yeah, yeah, no, but, it, but yeah, no, it's just it's, it's just the way the jujitsu, the whole mindset of, of approach to classes is way different than it is than traditional martial arts. Well, tell us how. Like, yeah, what, but, what but, are some of the techniques? So, like, the thing is, is like everything is dependent on. It's like a per kid basis. So it's you know it, each kid kind of has like we get to know you. You have a certain standard we're expecting of you. So it's like if you're you've been training with us for a while and we have a standard for you and you do something slick, might be get off the mat right now. Okay. Get off the something mat. Similar. We do a lot of, so like one of our main things is we always play dodgeball at the end of the of, of class. So three strikes and you don't get to play dodgeball. And you can get those strikes removed by getting more focused or being a better partner or stopping whatever the behavior is that's giving you a problem. Okay. So but again, it also depends, it also system. depends on the behavior. Like if a kid, like I've seen a kid one time poked another kid in the eye and the kid punched the other kid in the face i was like what's going on and the, the kid's crying he's like he punched me I'm like why did he punch you he's like because i poked him in the eye i'm like i'm like listen like man like you're both in the wrong but you can't go up and poke people in the eye so you're sitting out and yeah i'm gonna give him a strike for punching because he didn't do the right reaction but like, what did you kind of expect? You can't go around poking people right. in the eye. And that's what you're here for, to learn learn boundaries. And like Dan was talking about. Yeah, so you're utilizing focus. those. So, yeah, we use that a lot. But, again, it comes down to the kid and what the behavior is a lot. But yeah, it's but you like. Can, you can. That's how you're modifying the behavior. Because yeah. they know that they're not going to get the, uh, yeah, the dodgeball main, game at the end. So yeah, it's but, like, but hey, it, it and starts. What did you say? Three strikes? Three whatever? strikes, you're out. But, like, the thing is, is, and I know Dan can attest to this. And you can attest to it, too, to a certain extent. Because you're a parent. Uh, that works a couple times, but if it's not working after a couple times, then the kid doesn't care. So then it, it like, like for us, we're just going to be like, listen, the way we do it personally is like, we're like, get off the mat sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You're, you can't do class today. And then sometimes we've even had conversations with parents and be like, listen, we can't have the instructors and the other kids being disrupted because of your kid's behavior. He's not ready yet. So your option is if you want your your kid to continue to train here, do private lessons for right now until the behavior improves. And then once the behavior improves, we can put them back in the group classes. But you can't have one kid disrupting 25 other kids who came in ready to go. Right. There's an element of necessity to it. You know, the way that I always put it is that I want to be – just in general, I don't want to be any more of an authoritarian than I have to be. Yeah. With my students, which is, I think, even you know, among karate instructors, I'm probably talking about jujitsu being laid back. I think I'm more laid back than a <laughs> lot of karate instructors. But I always try to put it back to, you know, I something I always try not to do with my students. So I think adults do with kids a lot is just to talk down to them. Mm. I try as much as I can to talk to the kids as if they're like adults, like they're a full, like they're a another person just like me you know I don't I try and sometimes you have to but I try to avoid being like telling them you're gonna do it this way because I said so Mm. and I'm not giving you any more explanation I almost always try to give them to reason with them a bit to be like hey listen kid like 
I feel right now that you, your behavior, your lack of yeah. focus is detracting from the other students training in this class. Now I have a responsibility as the authority figure here to do something about this. So what are we going to do? Are you going to make me, you know, have you sit out or something like that? And I feel that the kids often they'll respond well to that because they're kind of like it's something that they understand and they are, it's reasonable. Yeah, I want to ask you guys this too because I saw this happening at a class and the parent was so ready for the kid to get the strike. The kid was just out of hand most of the class and I, I was just sitting on the side. I was not in the <laughs> class. I'm looking at this thing and the kid was not it was bad and at the end like the parents we are all packed up leave ready to go the parent goes oh he deserves his stripe and they ended up giving it to him and i pulled him over on the side i said dude you should have not given him that stripe like i was surprised so how do you guys deal with parents yeah. and the kids about so, other so rank this, not to get back to the ranking thing but this, it is a thing that's there so, it's so the elephant the in the thing, room though, how do you deal with the parents to me it, the if, if you if you've set a standard, I shouldn't say, even say if you set a standard, but if you told the parents, you told the kid they're going to promote it that day ahead of time, I feel like they got, didn't. I don't think there was anything. Then, it's then, just the parent knew, like, oh, he's going to get a stripe at the end. And the parent wanted to get this kid the stripe. And the kid was awful the whole time. I, I, I mean, it varies. I, I, I've definitely been in situations like that before. And here, it's kind of like there's been times where I just haven't given it. There's other times where I'm like, just like, it's not worth the extra drama. It's like, in the grand scheme of things, I'm like, usually those kids are not the ones that stick around. Sometimes they do. Mm, sure. But, like, you know, it's like, to a certain extent. But, like, I'm, I'm not even really in a position to, to make those judgment calls, right, at the end of the day anyway. You know, usually what it is is I've been told ahead of time, today is the day that this person's getting promoted. I'm not making the decisions of who gets promoted or not. I'm not in that stage of the game. Well, I, I do but make those probably, decisions. Yeah, do, I, yeah. I do make those decisions a lot. And it's one that, um, that's a good topic to bring up about the interplay of how parents affect, you know, students' progress in their, I, um, it's funny how much a parent can hold a student back in those hmm. kinds of situations. Because when, in general, when parents start making kind of demands of me, I always try to put up the wall with them that like listen the contract that I feel that I'm engaged with with my students is that I you know you bring your child here to train in my class and it's like and everything I'm gonna do for them is something that I think I'm doing for their benefit I'm a fallible human being like everybody else I certainly there's a lot of ways I could be a better teacher and I'm always trying to be a better teacher but it's something I take very seriously that you know if I decide to hold a student back that I'm doing it because I truly believe that it's what it's it's in their best interest for it to be done so so it's not often and like like Dave was saying you know you have to be careful as a teacher too that you know if I make a concrete thing like you're getting promoted yeah. today mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to go back on my word and stuff like that because I and it's understandable how a parent would find that frustrating but um, you know, sometimes and listen, you know, it's just and, and and I'm not trying to be overly critical of parents either. You know, they don't know anything about martial arts. You know, like something they want their kid. They want this something they want their kid to do. So they bring them there, and you know, like they want to make sure that their kid is having the best experience possible. But it is definitely something that you know I've had to have a talk with some parents before about it. That you know, it 
in order for me, in order for the for me to use the ranking system well for the student or something like that, it can't. Everyone can't test. Everyone can't pass, even when they test. You know, sometimes it's my responsibility as a teacher to tell my students when they have failed to like hold them to that standard. Like, no, you did not live up to the standards for this and I'm not going to let you move on. And at the end of the day, future lessons. Yeah, it's hard, you know, and it's, it's one of the, like, so for, and as a teacher, I'm sure you, Dave, you're, you're, you, you could be right there with me with it, that, you know, you don't want to discourage your students. I don't want, like, I understand that there's risks involved with that kind of thing that I, I decide to hold the student back. Mm-hmm. They're not ready to test the other students in the class are testing, you know, that's discouraging, can be a little bit disheartening for them. And I wouldn't want something like that to cause a student to quit. Mm. But in the right situation, I'm also willing to risk it because I think it's more important that you learn this lesson, which is that ultimately you are responsible for your progress. Mm. I tell my students all the time, it's something that drives me crazy with a lot of the martial arts community is that, you know, I I I try to take as little ownership as possible for my students' ability. So as a teacher, you know, like all I can do is show you the way I've, you know, I've been doing karate for almost 20 years now, Mm. right? So I have a lot of experience. I can show you, this is the way that it's done. This is what you have to do in order to improve and to be better, but they have to do it. I can't do it for you. You know, it's like, you have to, you have to do it yourself. Like you said, you're treating them like kind of like. You're learning to be an adult. Like an adult, like yeah, calm, exactly the same way. Now, jiu-jitsu is not to change. Jiu-jitsu is a little different with the testing. You yeah. have stripes with the... Yeah. It's, what's well, your feeling on that? Well, it's different, but, I mean, it's hard. You got to... We don't really... Jiu-jitsu doesn't have, like, testing, testing. Yeah. Well, like, well, through the stripes. Like, well, there's... I mean, belt I, don't, testing, I, don't, I don't think that anybody yeah, tests... I don't think there's any program of jiu-jitsu where they make kids test. There are some programs where they make you test for belts. There's jiu-jitsu programs yeah, where you yeah. test as adults. There's no program I've ever heard of where they make kids test for belts. Right. It's probably out there somewhere. I just haven't heard of but it. But that's the that's what I'm asking. But yeah, about. like I, I think I, like for us, we kind of have like a idea of how many classes and what we're expecting to look at per stripe. But then with the belt, it's very much the individual person. We're like this person. They're not ready for it. And it doesn't always come back to technique. You know, it's how are they carrying themselves? How, like, are they disruptive? Are they not disruptive? Mm-hmm. How's their behavior changed in the last year and a half? And you have talks with their parents along the way with that? Sometimes. Because sometimes, sometimes I've, it depends. I've been most styles. I, I mean, for us, I think, at least where I teach at, I feel like the parents do a good job of kind of staying out of, out of that stuff. I feel like, mm-hmm. I, I, I can only think of maybe a few times where somebody's, there's been a parent been like so and so got promoted my kid's been here longer it's like yeah well that kid shows up to class three times a week your kid shows up to class once every two weeks the other person's putting in more work that's how life works but like uh <laughs> would think the parents knew that yeah. <laughs> but but i i for the most part I, I i haven't seen any any there hasn't been issues here i've seen some crazy stuff at some tournaments where i see parents Oof. yelling at their kids who and the parent obviously doesn't train and they're yelling at the kid and i'm Jesus Christ, like you're crossing a lot of lines right now. Sure. But that's a, a, a whole other topic yeah, for a whole yeah. other episode. Yeah. Um, well, it's something that's kind of interesting about martial arts that, you know, as looking at the life cycle of it, that karate has been, I think, a little bit of a difference with jujitsu is it's been very commercially widespread in the United States. And, 
Europe and you know it for a while now so you're starting to see this transition where it's practiced a lot more by kids and you know it's not that surprising though because it's like how many like that's that's when people generally start doing any kind of athletic activity mm-hmm. not any kind but like you know think about like how many professional baseball players do you think there are over there that de- that didn't start playing as children mm. it's like it's something that's common yeah. and you learn that stuff when when you're young that you get you get started when you're young and then you um go through it but i you know i know you guys both have trained at a young age you know i think that it's something worth talking about about um and i actually i've kept not not really sure on your backgrounds there how old were you guys when you started training i well i was doing kempo karate so kempo karate for me i think i started at seven or eight and then jujitsu, you started at not not until like, I was an adult, way older. Got you. Yeah, I was twenty seven, but twenty seven for jujitsu. So. I was in teens when I did a formal thing, but yeah, like even prior to that, I was just like with friends, we'd get together, and that wasn't a formal. Sure, we'd sure. be training with like everything. Yeah, yeah. we'd make nunchucks. He's like, you can't yeah. have those. And I was I, like, I, like, like the thing is, I I agree with you, but I also think. There, there, there are outliers across the board, and it all depends what you want to do with it, right? So, like, if you're going to be a world champion in jiu-jitsu right now, you have a hard time being a world champion in jiu-jitsu unless you start it at the latest at, like, probably, like, 14. And that number is going to start to sure. get younger and younger because... It's different the way you learn when you're young. Exactly. But that, again, that's so a different innate. goal. It's yeah. a different goal. Yeah. Like, so being the best competitor has nothing to do with being the best teacher sure. or being a successful business person who's running a successful, whether it's an affiliation or a school or whatever, multiple schools. Right. Yeah, so, you know, it's different different goals across the board. Yeah. So I think with both you guys, your goals are great. Like, you're there, hey, you're trying to teach them the life lessons. This is something sure. you're going to use. Well, that's why you're I want. not pushing them into competition. Yeah. Like, like, some schools are trying to push people. Well, I do, yeah, I do competitions with, to them, and I encourage the students. That I right. tell them that, you it know, I think it's good. a good experience for you to yeah, have, you know, I, great person, so, it, so I, I started when I was nine years old and you're, and with no exaggeration, you know, like martial arts has been the most Impactful. formative, you know, part of my life. I think it's most, it's one of the most important things I ever did. And it's funny looking at it as an adult now, because especially with the ways that my training has changed and the places that I've gone with it, that I don't, I don't practice, you know, like I did as a kid or like a like an adult or even like I was practicing in my early 20s but what I look back on I always appreciate about my teacher and about you know my experiences growing up with karate is that it was something that I um that I started doing that was very physically demanding you know like just leaving aside all of you know karate short followings which I've talked about in this podcast before, I'm sure we'll talk about more in the future. It's like what made my teacher a really good teacher was that he pushed me really hard. And, you know, it, it built, you know, something, it it gave me tools that I could take with me in my life where knowing how to deal with discomfort, knowing how to focus on something, how to kind of almost obsess over something, how to keep pushing until you get it the right way and not settling for good enough. How to interact in a class environment like that, how to, you know, and the comp- the competitive aspect of it, the reason why, even though I'm not a big, I haven't competed now for almost five years, um, I hated tournaments when I was young because I was a sore loser. 
like, I was a kid. I'm not particularly athletically gifted. I'm not bad, you know. I um I always trained hard. It's like I would go to a tournament and I would usually lose. Sometimes I'd maybe get third place, <laughs> something like that, and I hated it. But my teacher made me keep going. You know, it was something he didn't really let me go on like that. And were you and I really person? appreciate it now because right. it, it it gave me those good lessons that it's just like, yeah, listen, it's not anyone's fault but yours that you're losing you need to work harder you need to go back and try again mm-hmm. i give up so i tell the students that you know it's something that you should do because you learn how to you admit it, it gives you an opportunity to grow as part of sorry what were you? so i definitely yeah. agree of all those benefits of competition but i also think i mean i personally think it's a per person basis i think some people there's multiple reasons why they shouldn't compete Sure. But I think if, like, you, when I see somebody, I'm like, man, you should go compete. It's because I saw something in there where I'm like, this, they're going to gain benefits from it. Yeah. Whether it's from what you said, maybe they need to have some experiences where they lose to kind of sure. get taken back to earth and be like, okay, this, these are the, the things I'm not noticing about myself. But sometimes it's like, man, this kid doesn't realize the potential they have. And maybe getting ready for a competition, going competing will kind of make that breakthrough. Or maybe it's just like they need the outlet. Yeah. You're like, like, man, they're feasting on the other people here. And if they don't get that outlet... They're going to consume everybody in the school. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree with that. But in the big picture, I know we got have to start wrapping it up in a little bit. Uh, I think that the most important thing you can do is make sure that people are coming to your school. This is adult and kids, you know, much more important, in my opinion, for the kids. They just you need to make sure they're having a good time. Oh, absolutely. Like, like, like yeah. that's the thing. It's like they need to come there and leave feeling good about themselves. Like they worked hard. They learned something. Yeah. They're improving and they're having fun. And like they're yeah. with, in a room of people that they want to be around. And not every school has that environment, you know? Sure. And, and like that, that to me is the big picture. If you're that's, not doing those sort of things, then yeah. you're failing. And then you also need to make sure that you are – it kind of sounds a little bit insulting – calling it like teaching to the lowest common denominator but you need to teach each class even if it's a room full of people that have seen the move before as if they've never seen the move before well, listen a really common thing is that i've heard referred to as the 80 20 well, i don't know if you know what i'm talking about that but the idea that a teacher will spend will put will spend 80 percent of their time concentrating on the 20 percent of the most talented most driven students that yeah, they have and everybody else thing. falls yeah, by yeah, the yeah. wayside and they're just bad teachers yeah, yeah, as far as I'm opposite. concerned. Yeah. And, and listen, there are plenty of people like, you know, you'll produce some good students that way, but you'll also have a whole bunch of people whose money you took, who ultimately you didn't fulfill your side of the bar. I've given, you know, I, I think it's very important, you know, to have that, that kind of integrity as a teacher that, you know, when someone walks in my door that, you know, it's, it's, it's a personal relationship and I'm going to do everything that I can for every one of my students. You know, we're all human. There's only so, it's a juggling act. There's only so much you can do, but yeah, I think that it's very important to do that where you're not just constantly. Yeah. Cause I know how it is. I got, I have talented students and I have, I have more talented students and less talented students, you know? And there are some kids where you'll just no matter what I show them, they'll be able to pick it up and they'll be able to become good at it. And those kids are awesome, you know, good for them. But it, as, as a teacher myself, you know, to keep myself in check, I'm always kind of questioning myself a little bit that it's just that you're not, don't put everything 
into that one talented kid. Like, oh, and that's what I was talking about before about like, a mentality that helped a lot. I feel like helps a lot with this is this idea that I don't own my students' ability or my students' accomplishments, that it's theirs. They're the ones that did it. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's something that a lot of teachers can fall into where they take ownership of their very talented students to be like, I did this. You know, I created this student. Yeah. Look how good they are. They're amazing. It's like, that's not mine. That's them. They did that. Yeah. They're I, super talented. Great for them. That's good. But this whole school, the work. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's theirs. It's not mine. So I think that frees you a little bit to be like, it's not about me trying to produce the very best student that I can to prove I'm the best karate teacher ever, right? That it's that I'm more, I'm trying to, to serve my whole school as best I can. Yeah. So let's wrap it up right now. I think this is going to be a topic we're going to have to come back to Absolutely. at some point. And I, like I think one of the things we need to come back is maybe uh, talking a little bit about competition more. And yeah. I also think we need to sort of maybe talk somewhat about teaching strategies a little bit more in depth at some point. Um, yeah, I think we just touched the surface with a lot of that stuff today. Yeah, so as right. always, thanks, thanks for, for listening. Very enlightening. Yeah, thanks for listening, right. guys, and we'll, we'll uh, follow up with you guys soon. Until right. so next time. Peace. <laughs>